pretty exciting Presbyterian meeting there, of which I clerked, if you didn't notice that. I have, I have the notes here. I'm excited. Um, today is a cool day. Today is a day that we, um, we're going to do something that we've never done at Harbor City Church. Um, and so um, let's just jump in. I have an amazing son named Sam. Um, I love him so much. He is four years old, and so he has kind of more uh, confidence than judgment. And so I built him. <laughs> and so I built him a zip line, right? Because that's what you do when you have a son who's really energetic and has more confidence than judgment. Well, any parent of a, an energetic child will tell you that the goal of a project like this is to strike this balance. Uh, between the thing being dangerous enough to keep them engaged long enough so that you can watch Netflix <laughs> and safe enough so that the neighbors don't call the cops on you. All right, so my zip line strikes the perfect balance, okay? It is high enough that um, it feels risky for a four-year-old, but it's low enough that he can actually stretch his, hand, his feet down and he can touch the ground. So he can choose to ride the zip line and drag his feet and thereby remove all risk. Okay, so my four-year-old son can do this. And in my opinion, when he does that, uh, it's no longer a zip line. It's just a line, right? It's, uh, he's tracing the distance, the shortest distance between two points. And at that point, I just don't think it's fun. It's, like, it's more like geometry. He's like doing a math problem. And, and so I think what makes a zip line uh, fun, what makes it zip is when Sam lifts up his feet and he fully commits to the ride. Right, so I build him this zip line. I put the handle in his hand. I put him up on the rock, and I say, jump off the rock, buddy. And he jumps off the rock, and he puts his feet down, and it's super lame, right? And so we put him back up on the rock, put the handle in his hand. I say, jump off again, and he jumps down, and he drags his feet, and it's lame. And he does it again, and it's lame. And he looks at me, and he's like, Papa, this is super lame. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it is, because uh, you're totally not going to stay engaged long enough for me to go watch an episode of Gotham. And so I, uh, I say, all right, I got to think fast. So I'm like, hey, buddy, listen, I'm your papa, and I love you, and I'm right here, and I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. I'm going to keep you safe. You have to lift up your feet to ride this zip line. And so he says, okay, okay. And he climbs up on the, on the rock, and he takes a hold of the handle, and he jumps off, and he lifts his feet up, and he, like, takes off like a shot, like, way too fast, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's like, ah! as it goes down the zip line, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I've, I've like miscalculated something. And, uh, and I'm watching it, and, uh, and at the end of the rope, right where it like ties onto the tree, I've, I've put a knot there, thinking, oh, this is brilliant because it'll keep him from smacking into the tree. Well, what it does is it stops the pulley, like dead stop for the pulley, and he's holding onto the handle, and so his like entire body like, like arcs into the air, and for one... Like, terrifying moment, he's silhouetted against the sky, you know? And, <laughs> and then I'm there, right? And I catch him, and I hug him, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just, like, totally traumatized my son. And he looks up at me, and he's got these wide eyes, and he's like, Papa, that wasn't safe. <laughs> he says, he says, that wasn't safe, but it was fun. It wasn't safe, but it was fun. And I was like, man, I think, Sam, you learned something important today on this zipline project of ours. Um, Sam learned that there's this connection between the quality of his experience and the level of his commitment. 
right? There's this connection between how committed he is to the zip line and, and how fun it is. And I think that's actually true about a lot of stuff in life, including our relationship with God. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Thank you, Sam, for giving me the illustration. And for those of you who don't know, I'm the director of Vision Pathways here at Harbor City Church. And VP, as we call it, those who are in the know, we call it VP. Vision Pathways is a two-year discipleship program that's designed to equip people to follow God in every area of their life. We currently have about 20 participants, and some of them have moved from thousands of miles away across the country to come here to San Diego and be part of Harbor City Church and to join in our mission to love and serve and renew the city. All right, in a little bit, we're going to do something that we've never done before. We're going to celebrate the graduation of our first Vision Pathways class, All right? Very cool. It's a milestone. And uh, I have been on staff with Harbor City Church for like 13 years now. Crazy. And I have seen, I've seen God do amazing stuff in our church, in our church and through our church. But honestly, I think Jesus is doing something like extra special in Vision Pathways, and the reason I think that is, is two words. Uh, the two words are spiritual growth. Okay? Spiritual growth is happening in vision pathways. Okay? Now, before you like, check out and you're like, because I'm using one of these terms, like spiritual growth, that like, church people like, throw these terms around, and you're like, what is he actually even talking about? What is spiritual growth? This is what spiritual growth is. By spiritual growth, I mean spiritual growth means simply becoming more like Jesus. Right? That's what spiritual growth is. It means becoming more like Jesus. So for the Christian to grow spiritually is to become more like Jesus. And that's what I see happening in VP in spades. All right, These people are becoming more like Jesus. And it's beautiful. And I want to figure out how to take whatever's happening in VP out of VP and, and put it in our whole church. That's what I want to do. All right, See, in some ways, VP has been this experiment at Harbor, like, like one of those like, um, like Petri dishes, you know, from, uh, you know, that's got the goo in the bottom, like from your science class. I don't know if you remember putting the goo. Um, so scientists, they take this Petri dish. It's got some goo in the bottom that I think has some sugar. And they like put some mold in there and they squirt in a virus and they like zap it with gamma rays. And, and, it, and it turns into this substance, right, that's going to like benefit the whole world. And if that actually happens, like you don't want to leave this beneficial substance in the Petri dish, right? You want to take it out of the dish and spread it around. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to like just give you this moldy, gooey virus that we've found, that we've developed in, uh, in Vision Pathways, right? So people are like, what happened? And you're like, oh, contracted VP. And uh, is, is there a cream for that? No, it's, it's incurable, right? So that's what I want to do today. Um, and I want to do that by answering one question. Um, why? Why are people growing spiritually in VP? What's going on? What can we learn from this? And to answer that question, uh, I want to take a look at this brief scene in the book of Matthew. It's a scene where Jesus invites his first disciples to follow him. I think that the keys of spiritual growth are embedded in just a couple verses here in this passage. So let's take a look. It's in your bulletin. It's also going to be up on the screen. So listen up. This is God's word. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. So I see uh, four ingredients 
to spiritual growth in this passage. There's three in verse 19, and there's one in verse 20. So verse 19, uh, Jesus gives Peter and Andrew an invitation, and in verse 20, they respond to that invitation, right? So in verse 19, the invitation is, follow me and I'll make you uh, fishers of men. And then the response is, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So I want to talk about the response first. Okay, so take a second and imagine what's happening with Peter and Andrew here. They're in their hometown, all right, where everything is familiar, where everything is comfortable. They're surrounded by friends and family and coworkers. Um, they own a business in this town. They have investments in boats and tackle and equipment, and they're actually in the middle of their workday, literally in the middle of, of throwing a net into the sea. And this dude, Jesus, comes by and says, hey, follow me. And he invites them to drop everything and step into this radical new way of life, right? And immediately they leave their nets and they follow him. And from our vantage point, we know that by doing that, they just stepped onto a path of spiritual growth that is going to transform them from fishermen into world changers. Right? They don't know that, but we know that. That's what's happening in verse 20 when they hear the call of Jesus and they commit to following him. And that's the first blank on your outline. If you want to take notes, it's this. Uh, we grow spiritually when we commit. We grow spiritually when we commit. When we put real stuff that we really care about aside in order to follow Jesus, we put ourselves in a position to grow spiritually. Every single one of the VPers who are graduating today, they left their nets when they heard Jesus call them to San Diego. They left everything familiar, everything comfortable. They left family and friends and churches and communities and hometowns. They left knowing where they were going to live. They left knowing where they were going to work. They put their money, their careers, their relationships on the line to follow Jesus. They left their nets. They put aside stuff that they really care about in order to follow Jesus. And in doing so, in doing so, they stepped onto a path of spiritual growth. And Jesus has been honoring that. It's commitment. They're committed to following Jesus. So now I want to talk about the invitation there in verse 19. What are they committing to? When Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he's inviting us to commit to three things. And the first thing I see in there is he's inviting us to commit uh, to his leadership. This is the blank after number one on your outline. He's inviting us to commit to his leadership. See, Jesus says, follow me. So right off the bat, his invitation is about leadership. Jesus is inviting Peter and Andrew to come under his authority, to submit to a relationship where he's the shepherd and they're the sheep. He says, follow me. This is an invitation to commit to the leadership of Jesus. Okay, now this is actually really good news because Jesus is a really good leader. <laughs> In fact, he's, he's the best leader that ever was. He uses his authority to serve others, right? He, he uses his power to make others flourish. He uses his wisdom to speak the kind of truth that sets people free. Um, he defends the weak. He seeks the lost. He heals the broken, and he lays down his life for his followers. And in a world like ours, where so much of the leadership is broken and corrupt, who wouldn't find this kind of leadership appealing? Like I was having, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine uh, this last week, and he's not a Christian, 
And he said, man, if Christianity was just the red letters in the Bible, I'd be in. What he means is the red letters are the, are the words of Jesus. If Christianity was just the words of Jesus, I'd be in. And he's appealing to the beauty of Jesus' leadership in contrast to the brokenness of the leadership of the world. And honestly, I think he's got a point. But here's the thing. Um, Jesus leads us like this in order to make us like him. He leads us like this in order to make us like him. That's what spiritual growth is, right? It's, it's becoming more like Jesus. So when people in the church follow his leadership, he makes them into leaders who look like him. And then he actually delegates his authority to those people. See, from day one, Jesus has actually been leading his church through his followers. Okay? He's been leading his church through people like Peter and Andrew and the other disciples, all the way down to people like Pastor Stephen and the elders and the deacons and the assistants that we just voted for. And David and Gracie and David and Audrey, the folks that help us lead VP. So the bottom line is... um, people in the church who lead like Jesus, who use their authority to serve others, who pour their time and their talents into others, who lay down their lives for others, these are the people that are worth following because they're always going to point you back to the ultimate true leadership of Jesus. All right, so committing to the leadership of Jesus, it actually includes committing to the leaders that Jesus has already raised up in his church. Obviously, uh, insofar as they're actually leading like Jesus. When they don't, you should throw them out. Just saying. So if you're like me and you're sort of bent towards being jaded and cynical, maybe you've been hurt by church, by communities before, um, man, this makes me uncomfortable. But here's the thing. I see compelling evidence for this in Vision Pathways. The VPers have committed to the leadership of Jesus, and they're doing it by committing to the leaders in this church. And they're becoming more like Jesus, like it's happening. One of the VPers described how life-giving, how freeing it was to be called out on their sin by one of the leaders who spoke in, in love, who spoke the truth in love. And this VP was just like, wow, that was super surprising and really life-giving to me. Another one told me how it was the leaders at Harbor who helped her see the gifts that she never even imagined that she had, and then it was the leaders who pushed her to start using them. And now she's investing those gifts in other people here at church, and she's full of joy. See, we grow spiritually when we commit to the leadership of Jesus. And the second thing I see is we grow spiritually when we commit to the community of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. Okay, so take out your pen and cross out the word you and write in y'all. Okay? (laughs) Write in y'all. I don't really know how to spell it, where the apostrophe is supposed to be, but I'll let you figure that out. Okay, that's what the word actually is in the original Greek. It's plural. And so Jesus is saying, follow me and I will make y'all fishers of men. And the point is this. Jesus is, is inviting us into community. And it's a community unlike any other community, right? It's not centered around um, the bonds of family or friendship or common interest or race or language or socioeconomic class or political party. It's centered around Jesus. Like he is the common bond of this community. And when people commit to the community of Jesus, 
they start to grow. They start to look like Jesus. And some cool stuff happens. You start pouring Jesus into others, and other people start pouring Jesus into you. All right, so the, the community of Jesus is characterized by a love for Jesus and a love for each other. And that love for each other part means people get in each other's kitchen, right? They get into those places where you can actually see real struggles and you can actually bear real burdens and you can actually serve each other's needs and you can have healthy conflict and you can shape each other's perspective and you can encourage each other's hearts and you can point each other back to Jesus. See, VP... One VP here told me how when she first arrived, uh, she could not imagine connecting with some of the other people in the group. They were just way too different. But she was committed to the community of Jesus, and she grew, right? She, she spent time with them. She studied the Bible with them. She prayed with them. She served them, and they served her. She heard their story. She heard their perspective. She heard their wisdom. And her heart warmed. They're still very different people. But she experienced the common bond of Jesus, which is what happens in the community of Jesus. And then another story. A few weeks back, uh, one of the VPers, with great kindness and respect, um, came to me and just told me how a comment that I had made to her had really hurt her. And she was surprised by it. She was hurt by it. And, and she obviously didn't want to have this conversation, uh, but she was uh, determined to keep short accounts, and she was determined to preserve the unity of our church family. And it was like, it was totally something I needed to hear, like I needed to repent. And I wouldn't have heard it, I wouldn't have repented if she hadn't have been shaped into the image of Jesus enough to have the courage to, to enter into a healthy conflict with me and call me to the carpet. Like, it was not fun, but it was glorious to see the image of Jesus in her. And it was really cool to receive correction from a friend. Like that's good stuff. We grow spiritually when we commit to the community of Jesus. Now, look, like, community is going to look different, right? We're talking about uh, mostly youngsters who don't have a lot of commitments in their life. They're able to spend a lot of time with each other, but... It's going to look different if you're a 40-something-year-old with kids versus a 20-something-year-old with no commitments. It's going to look different if you're a college student versus a retiree. Um, but wherever you're at, you need to understand that this kind of spiritual growth, it doesn't happen here in this room on Sunday mornings in a 90-minute service. It happens in small groups where people are committed to doing life together with other Jesus followers. Right? That's the community of Jesus. And the last ingredient I see here is that we grow spiritually when we commit to the mission of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So Jesus is the leader and he's calling together a community in order to carry out a mission. And a fundamental part of spiritual growth is taking what Jesus is giving you and giving it away. You take what Jesus gives you and you give it away. So recently, a bunch of the, of the Vision Pathways folks, they took a trip out to the Salton Sea, which is this big uh, lake out in the middle of the desert on the way to Arizona, if you don't know where that is. And it's actually this, it's this really interesting place, right? It's not a, a, a natural lake. It was formed when a dam on the Colorado River suddenly burst, right? And literally overnight, 
uh, what was once sand and rocks became this, this big lake, um, and a garden grew up around it with plants and trees, and, and there was animals, and there was uh, fish and birds, and it actually created this whole community. Like People moved out there. They built houses. They built businesses. It became this vacation destination. They called it the, uh, the California Riviera, right? And if you've ever been out there, it's like super ironic, right? Because it's, it's terrible. <laughs> See, because the thing about the Salton Sea is there's, there's no outlet, right? There's, the, there's no outlet to the sea. So the water from the river pours in, but it doesn't pour out. It doesn't have anywhere to go. And as a result, the clean, fresh water from the river becomes stagnant. And over the years, it's become more and more poisonous. And now when you go out there, none of that good stuff is there. There's no plants. There's no trees. There's no people. All the buildings are just abandoned. Um, any fish that's like unfortunate enough to wash down into the sea, they, they suffocate and die. And the shore is literally lined with their dead, rotting bodies. Right? So it's horrifying. And you, uh, you go out there and you're like, wow, what started out as this beautiful blessing uh, has become... This, this disaster, it's an ecological disaster because lakes are designed to work a certain way, right? The, a healthy lake gets poured into and it grows and then it pours out. And that cycle continues. It gets poured into and it grows and it pours out. And, and Jesus has designed us in the same way. He has designed us in the same way. A healthy follower of Jesus gets poured into by the leadership of Jesus grows in the community of Jesus, and then pours themselves out into the mission of Jesus. That's how it's supposed to work. But when we don't pour out, we're in danger of becoming like the Salton Sea and being poisonous and stagnant. The mission of Jesus is that we would commit to loving and serving other people and telling them about who Jesus is. And again, I see the Vision Pathway folks committing to this and growing. They're simply pouring out into other people what Jesus has poured into them. They're walking with people through life. They're sharing experiences. They're helping them flourish. They're, they're including them. They're listening to them. They're understanding them. They're defending them. And then they're speaking loving truth to them. One VP like, gave me this like profound summary of living out Jesus' mission. She said she's learning to display and describe her faith rather than defend it. I was like, can you repeat that? And she's, I'm learning to display and describe my faith rather than defend it. I just thought that was beautiful. Like imagine what would happen if more Christians focused on simply displaying and describing their relationship with Jesus rather than trying to win an argument. She's living in a way that just shows people who Jesus is, and it's resulting in these wonderful conversations, these deepening relationships, opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. And another VP here told me about how knowing that Jesus is calling her into mission, it gives her the courage to be fully present with her friends, with her coworkers, to meet them wherever they're at with respect with honesty, and to bring a perspective infused with the hope of Jesus into that relationship. It's just like a totally 
different attitude. We grow spiritually when we commit to the mission of Jesus. <clears throat> and so here we're at, leadership and community and mission. Jesus is still inviting his followers to commit to these things. He's inviting us to get on the zip line and, and, and lift up our feet, right? Because there is a connection between the level of our commitment and the quality of our experience. God honors our efforts to follow him. If we commit, we will grow. He'll make sure of it. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to go all in. And we can go all in with Jesus. Because, friends, he has totally gone all in with us. On the cross, he fully committed to leadership. But it was evil leadership who used their authority to serve themselves and to crush him. And he did it so that we wouldn't be crushed. And on the cross, he fully committed to community. But it was being cut off from the community of his heavenly father so that we wouldn't have to be cut off. And on the cross, he fully committed to mission. He poured out his life so that folks like you and me could be saved. And then three days later, he rose from the grave and he crushed the power of evil leadership. And he crushed the power of broken community. And he crushed the power of sin and death. And he showed us that he is indeed worth following. So Jesus says, and he says, follow me. And we say, well, will it be easy? And he says, no. But I'll give you my strength. Follow me. And we say, well, will it be comfortable? No. But I'll give you my peace. Follow me. And we say, Jesus, will, will I like where you're taking me? Not always. But I will pour my love into you, and I will pour my victorious life into you wherever we go. And together, we're going to change the world. Follow me. I'm in. I'm in. Are you? Graduating VPers, will you please join me here on the stage? And uh, Stephen and Gijo and the Rhodes and the Delions, will you also will you also come up here? I'm gonna stand up here in the light. They did it, grads! Man. Can you do like the little crouch like that? that no. Oh, no. <clears throat> Kelsey, Luigi, Damoth, Keen, Leslin, listen to me. You have, you've left your nets. You guys have left your nets to follow Jesus. You put aside important things that you cared about to follow his call, to follow his leadership, his community, and his mission. 
And in doing so, you stepped onto a path of spiritual growth. And God has been honoring that. You guys have tasted and seen the faithfulness of Jesus. I want you um, to take that with you wherever you go. I have no idea where you're going to end up, but you now have the VP virus. <laughs> and I want you to spread it around. And I, wanna, um, I want us to put our hands on you and send you out, and I want Pastor Stephen to pray for you guys. So you guys step, step forward, and we're going to pray for you. Done. Beat it. <laughs>